Hello, I'm Dr. Joseph Kern, Senior Pastor of Radiant Life Church. I hope you find this message informative, inspiring, and most of all, spiritually uplifting. And now, let's get into the Word of God. Let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. We invite you into this place. We know you're already here because we feel you. We sense you. Right now, I release heaven on earth. I release the voice of God in this place that signs and wonders would be done in your name. As people hear your word, let healing miracles take place. Let restoration take place. Lord, I remember that old song, open my eyes that I might see Jesus. Open my ears that I might hear him, that I might reach out and touch him. So, Lord, touch our eyes. Give us 40 vision that we might know the heights, the depths, the length, and the width of your love and your revelation for our life, your will. We tap into your potential in Jesus' name. Everybody said, can you high-five your neighbor? Come on, go ahead and do that. Amen. We've been doing a 16-week series on the rise and fall of Lucifer. The first eight weeks was all on Genesis chapter 6. And it's my belief, if you do not understand Genesis 6, then you won't understand the rest of the Bible. Even my kids, we were sitting at the table and they were saying, Dad, man, they, they were talking about, let me just give you an example of how they were saying, understanding why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah changes my whole perspective. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, get the series. Because sometimes we major on the minor and minor on the major. And in case you weren't there, let me just give you an example of how it affected my kids. Because they were telling me, really, um, we are taught so many times that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of homosexuality. Right? And homosexuality is wrong. Right? But that's not why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. If that was the case, he would have destroyed, there were a lot more homosexual cities than Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on, talk to me. He destroyed it because of the Nephilim, because it was going on there, that people were willing to sleep with angels, and they begin to open up that whole Pandora's box again. They were doing something even beyond homosexuality, a whole nother perversion. Are you hearing me? My point is, when you begin to understand Genesis 6, you understand why they annihilated all the people of the land. Come on, talk to me. Or else you think, why, did, why is God, God so bloody? You understand why God, it almost seemed like there's racism, like you can't marry anybody outside. But when you understand Genesis 6, you understand what God was protecting them from. Are you hearing me? There's so many unanswered things that people question the Old Testament. It's because they don't understand Genesis 6. So, and that was exciting. It was fun. We, we looked at the prophetic significance and where we're headed in the future. But the next eight weeks, which we are now on, on class 11, if you will. So we've had 9, 10, 11. This is the third week. It's now strategies. I'm literally teaching you how do you overcome that demonic force. How, and, and I'm telling you, this is not kid stuff. This is spiritual meat. And if you will pay attention, because I'm convinced that most of the church is failing because of basic principality or basic principles in the word of God. What basic principles like forgiveness? People, I want to know the, the seven keys of Daniel and, and, the, and the lion and the bear. You haven't even learned how to forgive, baby. How are you going to move to that? You got people who can't forgive their husbands. Husbands can't forgive their wives. Children can't move on because their parents did something. Listen, how are you going to move on to Revelation when we're failing the basic uh, principles of of forgiveness, love, honoring your father and your mother? And so even today, what I'm going to be talking about today, it's called the word of God is our weapon. And so you go, why are you preaching? I already know that. If you know that, then why aren't you doing it? Let me give you an example. If you know, the, and I'm already I'm handing them an introduction, but I'm already getting into it. 
But if you know the word of God is your weapon and you believe that, how many of you really believe that? I mean, you believe the word of God is your weapon. You know that. How many, let me see your hand if you believe that. Then tell me next. How many, if I was to ask each one, how many scriptures did you learn this week? Oops. Drop the mic. You believe it, but you're not walking it. And that's why we're failing, church. Thank you. So let me cover a little bit of last week recap. In Psalm 18, 40 to 42, I've already started preaching. I'm like a horse getting out, ready to get out of the stall. Come on. Thou hast also given me the necks of my enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord. But he answered them not. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind. I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. And what we studied in this verse is that God hates partial victories. It's a sin to have a partial victory. God says, I want you to take total dominion. I want you to beat your enemies like the dust. I want you to pulverize them so bad that even DNA evidence cannot recognize what it is. And we're not talking about people. We're talking about demonic entities. That God wants you to have a full victory. What do I mean by that? Too many in the church are happy where they're at. Too many in the church are happy to have just enough Christianity that people can tell there's a little difference. Too many people are happy with, you know, I'm partly delivered, but you know what? You know, let's not move too fast. Too many people are happy if I've been set free from drug addiction, but my pornography was down 30%. Oh, got quiet there. Um, too many people are happy with, you know what? I've forgiven my, my father and mother, but I still won't forgive that bastard who did this last week. Come on. Partial victories. Too many of us are happy with, man, God bless me with a house. God bless me with a wife. But you're not still having overcome that little demon that's knocking on your door every Saturday. Come on. Partial victories. It's a sin. You go and you fight until your enemies become like dust. I don't care what it is. What do we do when we're attacked? Look at Psalms 56, 9 through 10. When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. Notice twice the word of God says, in God, I'll praise his word. Why? Because what do we do when we're attacked? The first thing is we cry out to God in prayer. But then we begin to speak the word of God. Whatever our circumstance, whatever we're going through. But the problem is too many of us, when we find ourselves in trouble, we don't cry to God and then praise the Lord's word. We begin to cry in our own self-pity. We begin to cry in our own defeat. We begin to cry in our own mess and vomit. Our and, and then we're wondering why we're not winning the victory. David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Come on. The devil, and this is crazy. Look at Psalm 17, 4, before I say the statement. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the path of the destroyer. First century rabbis taught that there were two paths. The path of life and the path of the destroyer, or the path of unrighteousness. In fact, you even see in the book of Psalms, it talks about two paths. The Bible says that there is a path of the destroyer. That word path means a course of life. Did you know the moment you were born, God had a destiny for you to fulfill? Romans 8 tells us this. Through Jeremiah, he says, when you were in your mother's womb, I what? I what? Knew you. God has a destiny for you. But guess what? The devil has a destiny for you too. And you know what's crazy? Is that the devil tries to get you to walk on the path of the destroyer. 
I find it interesting, you know, I, I, I grew up listening to Elvis Presley, even though he was way before my time. Love Elvis, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I just, uh, David, he's, he's one of the few people who likes Elvis with me. But here's my point. Did you know he always, his biggest desire was to be in a choir, a Christian choir? If you know his history, but look at how far he got off the path. In fact, I'll never forget the first time I felt conviction as a teenager was listening to Gary Greenwald talking about it's either your way or God's way. And he showed a young Elvis singing and he was just like, you know, dun, dun, right? Jailhouse Rock. Then they showed him his last concert, overweight, fat, and he was singing my way. And he began to misquote the words and he said, two plus two equals tax. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. He was out of his mind. And he goes, that's what happens when you do it your way. Man, you want to talk about altar call? Oh, Jesus. My point is, how many know he got off the path? And the devil would, and how do you get back on the path? He says, by the word of thy lips, I kept me from the path of the destroyer. When I got aligned with your word, I was able to get off that path and go on to the path of the righteousness. And he says, concerning the works of men. Why concerning the works of men? Because though we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and I think we take that too far in, in a sense, what's it, what it's saying, it, we still have people that the devil uses. And when, and when it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, it doesn't mean that your argument isn't with men. It's just saying behind it is a devil. In other words, the enemy is too smart. He's never going to come up to you and, and, and say, Bridget, I'm the devil. You know, he's not going to do that because you'd run and go to God, right? Come on. So how does he come to you? He, Greg, you know how he comes to you? He comes to people who are full of demons and they'll try to manipulate you, try to get you off your path, come against you. They'll lie about you. They'll, come on, talk to me. Right? So though we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, it's flesh and blood that the devil uses. And we have to discern that and, 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 and observe the word of God. And by the word of God, we can discern who we need to, to get rid of and who we need to keep in. Come on, talk to me. Amen. That was last week. Now we move into this week. How to effectively battle the enemy. Look at two people and say the word of God is our weapon. You need to understand that we literally are ruled by our words. I hope you heard what I said. Your destiny is set by the things you say. Come on, let's go to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today, 10 through uh, 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren. Now we studied that for eight weeks. Who's the accuser of our brethren? Satan is cast down, which accused him before our God day and night. Okay, look up here. You need to understand that the devil is accusing you day and night and he rests not. I would say 85% of the bad thoughts you have don't even come from you. That's the devil. You ever notice you'll be just sitting maybe even in church all of a sudden something crazy comes in your mind? That's not you. That's the accuser of the brethren who does not rest. That's why even at night you got to play some gospel music something because he'll come in your dreams, invade your subconscious, and you got to say, oh, hell no, devil. It is written. Come on, talk to me. Because day and night, say day and night. And <laughs> you like that, huh, babe? Day and night, night and day, he's going he's gonna to keep coming. And you know what's crazy? Let me give you a little tactic of the enemy. He'll put something really crazy in your head, and then, then he turns around and makes you feel guilty for having that thought, and he's the one who put it there. Don't take on that shame and guilt. No, you, that's not your, that's the enemy coming against you, trying to throw this thought, throw that, throw this. And you got to know day and night, you got to be like a blocking. Come on, like the matrix. Come on. Now, if you sit there and, 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 and you, you dwell and like, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah, that's good. Ooh, that's good. Well, now, okay, now you've crossed 
into intention. But if a thought we're coming, you throw it out. That's not you. Don't hold on to that. There's no sin in that. It's only when you sit there and grieve with the devil. Yeah, come on, devil. Tell me more. What was, what's the next part? Come on. And they overcame him by the what? Blood of the lamb and by the? Say it again. By the? By the word of their? And they loved not their lives unto death. Notice that these decisions on what you speak out of your mouth have life and death consequences. Some people will literally die because of what they said or did not say. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. What does that mean? Let's break this down. It means that everything in my past has been taken care of. I overcome. Why? Because the enemy will say, you did this, you did that, and I have to go, you know what? That's the only time you told the truth is when you tell me I did wrong. And guess what? But by the blood of the lamb, it's been washed. It's been dealt with. I'm white as snow. Get out of here with that. So it deals with my past. But the word of my testimony deals with my future. It sets my steps. Yeah, I was going this way, but by the word of the lips, I've kept myself from the path of the destroyer. Are you hearing me? And so, and what is the word of our testimony? The word of God. We need to be constantly speaking the word day and night. Even Joshua said, day and night, you must meditate on this. Joshua 1.8, right? Why? Because the devil's attacking you, what? Day and night. So I got to meditate on the word, what? You can't give up. Don't I get a little break? No, you don't get a break. Sorry. How's that for an answer? So what you say, you won't forget that, Pastor Yelling. No, what you say or don't say may cost your life, literally. Literally. The word of God is a weapon. Look at Psalm 149.6. Man, you're going to be so inspired when you leave out here. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hands. The word of God is a weapon. Why do I say that? Because he calls the word of God a two-edged sword. Where do we find that out? Come on, tell me the scripture. Hebrews what? 412. The word is quick. It's alive. Sharper than any what? Two-edged sword, dividing asunder, you know, bone and marrow, thoughts and intentions, right, and so and so. So the Bible literally calls the word a sword. Come on, look at me. I got my sword. It's an offensive weapon. It's a weapon of, don't mess with me because I'll cut you. You know what the problem is, David, though? Too many people's sword, it's too pretty. I don't see no blood on it. Some of you, are, and you're proud of that. Look at how pretty my sword is. Woo, you need some blood on it. It needs to get dirty. You need to get that sword and do some chopping. Come on, talk to me. I'm not talking about people. Say, he's not talking about people. I'm talking about principality. Some of you, your sword hasn't been used in many years, and you're bragging how pretty it is. That means you haven't been doing much. You need to get that sword dirty. You need to oil it up. You need to cut some devils up. You need to chase them out with that two-edged sword. Come on. Why? Because the word of God is your weapon, because the weapons of the enemy is words. Satan's weapons are words. To Jesus... He said, if you are the son of God, remember at his baptism, after the baptism during the, um, actually it's right during the wilderness journey, temptation. After his baptism, but it was at the baptism, God said, this is my son and who I'm what? Can you imagine if, what you don't read is this. Jesus says, well, didn't you hear what the father said at the baptism? Uh, he, he said, I would, come on, saints. The devil heard. He wants to make sure you heard. He wants to make sure you understand that. He says, if you are the son of God. Because his weapons are words, lies. He's the father of it. And he will even question your own destiny. Even the son of God. He says, if you are the son of God, I don't think you are. Well, didn't you hear what the prophet said? It doesn't matter what the prophet said. What do you say? What do you know about yourself? It doesn't matter what you, well, my mama said I was prophesied, but it doesn't matter. I don't care what your mama said. Auntie M say, I don't care. 
Too many songs saying, well, anyways, <laughs> I won't go there. To Eve, he said, did God say? And can, well, well, didn't you hear he told Adam? That, no, he knows what he told Adam. He wants to, do you know? Did God say, Eve? Because his weapons are what? Words. And our weapon is the, not our words, the word of God. Our weapon is the word of God. We need to do some demon slashing. Come on, talk to me. Notice how Jesus defeated the enemy. This is so powerful. In Matthew 8, 16, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Now, let me tell you something. I've been in the ministry many years. We know if you're a man of God, when when demon-possessed people come, because if you're not, everyone will know. I'll never forget this. I was only about 22 years old, and I was working at a church, and they found out I had a gift for casting out devils, so they kept me busy all day and night. And there was this guy who wrote, I mean, I'm not kidding you, he wrote 50 books. He, he established churches, and one day he says, can I help you? Yeah, yeah, sure, come help me. And I gave him the most simplest case. person had some spirits, and he kept saying, what do I do next? And I'm like, this dude, 60, has been in the ministry 40 years. But how many know there's a lot of people in ministry who have never dealt with the devil? They've been in the, here too long, but they haven't been casting devils out. Well, listen to this. When evening was come, Matthew 8, 16, they brought unto many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed that were sick. Underline word. Notice, he cast out the spirits with his what? Words. Because the word of God is our weapon. He didn't cast out the spirit with, you know, nice sayings with, you know, um, he got some kind of perfume mixed with this and incense and started burning. And then, and then he um, began to chant for an hour. The Bible says he casts out the devils with his what? Words. That's how you're supposed to cast out the devil. With your words. Every time you speak, devil should be slain. Every time you go somewhere and, and negative, negativity comes towards you, you should be able with your words say, oh, that is not how this is going to end. Uh, for the kingdom of God has come because I'm here. Peace has come because I'm here. God's glory is here because I'm here. I'm not speaking about me. I'm talking about all of us. You understand that, right? This is your attitude. You need to have the attitude of a soldier of God that understands demons tremble at the word that comes from my lips. He casts out demons with his mouth. The Lord destroyed the kingdom of darkness with his words. There is power and praise and declaration of what God's word says. In fact, God has placed power in your words. Let's go to Isaiah 51, 12 through 16. I want you to hear this. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die? And of the son of a man who will be made like grass? And you forget the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he has prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hastens that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord your God, who divided the sea whose waves roared. Come on! The Lord of hosts is his name. That's right. And I have put my words in your mouth. Uh-uh. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, You are my people. 
man, did you hear that? God is looking at the people, you, and he's saying, why are you afraid of a man that can die? Why are you afraid of the fury of the oppressor? And then he asks you a question. He goes, where is the fury of the oppressor? He's talking to you. He's saying, why are you bragging about what people can do to you? Why are you afraid of circumstances? And then he says, it's I, the Lord, the one who split the seas, who's talking to you right now. In other words, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of Moses who split the seas. I'm the same God fighting that battle. Why are you worried about oppressors? Why are you worried about whether you can eat bread, it says? Why are you not sleeping? He says, it's I, the Lord, the same revelation he gave Moses. I am that I am. Yehovah means I am that I am. Call me what you want, and that's what I'll be. He says, where's the fury, the oppressor? He's not saying it's not there. He's saying you shouldn't be moved by it. Come on, I'm about to preach myself happy. And then he goes on to say, because I put my words in your what? Oh, man. The key to victory is God's word in your mouth. You better write that down. He's not saying it's not there. He's saying you shouldn't be moved by it because I put my word in your mouth. And that's the key to your victory. Don't say, I don't have no bread. Don't say, we're, you know, the, 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 the oppressor's so strong. The devil's so mighty. Look at my life. I'm in shame. He says, don't say that. I put my words in your mouth. Jesus said it is written. Listen to this. God starts working when you start talking. God starts working when you start talking. See, a lot of you, a lot of you are waiting for God to do something, and you're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. God starts working when you start talking. So, Pastor, I've been praying some for 20 years. I'd stop praying and start doing. Okay, some of you get that later. God works the word you speak. What are you speaking? That's the word he'll work. Are you speaking lack and doubt? Well, that's what you'll have. Man, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm going through trials that no one has ever gone through. Well, enjoy it because I don't want to hear about it. I, I'm, I'm compassionate, but I can only hear so much. If you say that, we won't have dinner again because I heard you the first time. Uh, I'm helping you out. Listen, change your words. Stop speaking the words of the enemy. Oh, the oppressor, he's coming. And start speaking the words of God, which says, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. That's how you should be finishing every one of those sentences. Come on. If you speak your own word, you're going to lose. And that's what too many of you are doing. And you say, Pastor, I already know the word of God's my weapon. Then why do I have to preach this message? Because guess what? You're not speaking God's word. You've been speaking your own words. I want to give an example in Acts chapter 19, verse 13 through 17. It's kind of a funny scripture, but not for the people who this happened to. And you don't want this to happen to you. Listen to Acts 19, 13 through 17. They're the first streakers in the Bible. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who? Are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on him 
overpowered them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Did you hear that? There was a group of men called the seven sons of Sceva. They were priests, and they were called exorcists. I don't know if you know this, but exorcisms went on all the way back into even the days of Solomon. In fact, Solomon wrote many books, and we don't have this book, but the Talmud tells us that Solomon actually wrote a book on exorcism. And it basically was sent around Psalm 91. They would quote it and they'd cast the devil out, but they weren't always effective. And I'm sure that this is what they were doing. They were priests, but they weren't very effective. So all of a sudden they see this guy preaching Jesus and he's casting out devils left and right. So they go, hey, let's use his method. So they go to this guy possessed with the devil, right? One man. And they go, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached, we adjure thee, come on, to come out of the man. And the man goes, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? And then he ran after him, tackled all seven of them, stripped them off their clothes, kicked them out of their house naked. Now, these were sons of priests. Can you imagine how embarrassing that one man stripped you of your clothes, sent you out naked while trying to cast the devil out? The Bible says great fear came upon the church. Let me explain this to you. Here's what I want to tell you. You only have authority in his name if he gave you the right to use it. See, they were using the right name, but Jesus didn't give them authority to use it. Therefore, they go, we know Jesus, we know Paul. We don't know you. We don't recognize you in the spirit realm. Before you begin to deal with principalities, you better give your life to Jesus. You better, because only then do you have power over the demonic realm. And there's only authority in the person who gave it to you. In other words, Jesus says, I give you authority. But notice it says all power and authority is given to him. We don't have power. We have authority. Oh. Hope you understand there's a difference. Power means you, you can physically take that devil, pull him out of the man and throw him out. God didn't give you power. He gave you authority. In other words, he gave you a badge, a badge of authority. Remember, a cop comes in the name of the laws of Arizona. They don't come in their own name because they don't have the power. They have the authority. But then they get a gun, which gives them the, <laughs> come on, talk to me. So you need to understand that you only have authority if the person who has it gave it to you. You can't use it without his authority. Don't, and here's the key, don't go confessing what he hasn't given you the authority to confess. Many of us are confessing things that was never God in the beginning. Many of us, I mean, you know, I'll give you a goofy example, but Christians are goofy. I'll never forget one time this guy came up to me. He says, Pastor, I'm believing for this. I'm believing for this. And, and I go, but God ain't giving it to me. I said, well, what are you believing for? He says, that lady over there, I, 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 want her. I believe she's supposed to be my wife. I go, that lady over there is married. Oh, she is? He, he, well, you know, I still believe it's God. I go, why would you believe it's God? Well, because I had this vision. I said, well, if, if you saw a butterfly in the sky and then it, it, the, a man came out dancing, would you then, well, no, 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 no. I, but and I was, the point is how goofy that is. And I'm pointing out something goofy, but you know what I mean? Us will hold on to something because some goofy prophet told us and they were off. 
did God tell you? I don't care what a prophet tells you. I don't care what Dr. Joseph Kern tells you. What has the word of God revealed to you? You need to know what God has for you. And my promise may not be your promise. He told Jeremiah, you will never marry. What? But all the other prophets, he told, what was when he, um, um, Hosea, he married the whole Gomer. Yeah, and she was a whole, y'all remember that story? He told him to marry a prostitute. And the Bible even calls her that, a whore, he calls her a whore. Now, one prophet, he says, marry. The other prophet, he says, what? So who's right? Well, it depends on your calling. Okay, anyways, let's keep going. You need to know. And if you don't know God's destiny, you need to get this volume. There's a few left where we cover two hours of knowing God's will for your life. You need to understand that the Lord Jesus has completely defeated Satan. Oh, I know some of you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Joyce. That the Lord Jesus has completely defeated Satan. Let the church say. Now, the reason why you hesitate, because some of you aren't sure. Colossians 2.15. Look what it says. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, openly triumphing over them in it. In it. It's like God put their, he said he spoiled, he pushed their face in his victory. He put his foot on their neck and said, smell the victory. And how do we know that? Because he used the same phrase that the old kings of old did. That when they conquered you, they take your defeated king, put him in chains, and they put him before their openly so everyone can see. That's the word that's used. The devil is so defeated that he's made a show over him, and you, don't, you haven't even seen it yet. Hebrews 2.14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, Jesus, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. How many know that Jesus took on flesh and he totally destroyed the work of the devil? When he went to the cross and he took on your sins, he, he was bruised for your iniquities. He was wounded for your transgressions. And by his stripes, you are healed. You have healing today. You have forgiveness today because of the power of Jesus on the cross. He defeated Satan, made an open shame of him. Come on. Look at 1 John 3, 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. So if you commit sin, you're of the devil. That's what it says. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God. Why did Jesus come? Here it is. For this purpose. Why did Jesus come? For what? This purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come? To destroy the works of the devil. With his word, he cast out devils. With his word, he healed the sick. With his word, he'll heal you. But notice what it says in here. That he might destroy. Well, if he already destroyed, why say he might? Because many of you are not claiming the victory that he already gave you. What do I mean by that? Many Christians are bound by the devil still because they haven't walked through the doors. Let's look at this. Psalm 146.7. Don't fall asleep on me now. Come on. Which executed judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseneth the what? The prisoners. This is the reason why many Christians are not free because he loosed then the prisoners, but the prisoners haven't walked through the door. Let me explain to you. I have a cousin who for years was in and out of jail and we fought hard to get him out and we did. And you know that the moment we got him out, saying, check this out. The moment he got out, he purposely did a crime so they would put him back in. 
And we were upset. We fought for him. We, we did our best to get him out. And then the moment he gets out, he purposely did something wrong, so they put him back in. You know why? Because he liked it better in prison than in the real world. You know why? Because all his meals were planned. He didn't have to worry. He didn't have to stress. This is what he told us. In other words, he was institutionalized. In other words, guess what? He, it was, he liked it better in prison than he did in the real world. And the Bible says he is loose in the prisoners talking about us. But many of us are like my cousin. Guess what? We like it in prison. We won't come out. And we're bound because the door's open, but we like, no, I feel safe over here. And man, look at how in prison I am. Look at it. Man, life is short. I don't have a lot of money. And, and people are like, the door's open. Oh, I know, but I feel comfortable. I like being a prisoner. Too many Christians are institutionalized spiritually. You won't walk through the doors of freedom because you're enjoying that your meals are made. You know when to go to sleep. Someone tells you when to turn their TV, when to turn off, and you enjoy that life. Freedom. And God's saying, walk through the doors. I've loosened the prison. That he might destroy the word. What do you mind? Because some of you are going to say, oh, no, I like it in here. Um, it, it, give me back my orange clothes or my pink clothes or my black and white. Whatever you, Sheriff Apollo used to give out. Come on, talk to me. Many people are stronger than the devil. They just don't know it. Oh, let me repeat that. Many people, if you're, you already are, are strong that they just don't know. Let's show the picture of the elephant. Look at that elephant. That is a circus elephant. And they keep it in its place by that little, he's tied by a rope to a pole. Look at that. I want you to look at that because that's many of you today. What do I mean by that? That elephant, all it has to do is barely move its leg. And that's, he can go. But you know why he won't do that? Because when he was a baby elephant, they put that, they tied him to the road with that pole, put it in the floor, and he couldn't move it. And he tried, he tried to get out. And after a while, he gave up. And now that he's older, even though he could so easily break forth, he won't because in his mind, he can't. Come on, Shanto Rebecca. This is the church. God has broken the devil's back, set you free from alcohol, drugs, perversion. And you're saying, I can't break free because I've been an elephant way too long and I know I can't. But you don't even see your own strength. God sees it. I see it everywhere. But you don't because you think you're still a young elephant. And God's saying, pick up your leg. Beat the devil. Crush him under your feet. Beat him as the dust under your feet. You are stronger than that. That drug addiction, that perversion, that pornography, that anger, that whatever it is, guess what? You are bigger than that because through Christ Jesus, but you don't know it yet. You'll yell amen and say, yes, God, greater is he in me, but you won't walk in it because you're still in the prison. You still want to be held down and you don't realize that you have all power in heaven and earth has been given unto you. You have to know God's promises like you know your own name. What's your name? That was weak. That's the problem. What's your name? What's your name? I can't hear you. That's how you got to know the word of God. Now, some of you couldn't even answer that. I'm worried about you. Look at 2 Corinthians 120. Look at this. For all, some of the promises... One out of ten, whatever you can muster up, all the promises of God in him are what? Yea, and in him what? Unto the glory of God by us. All the promises of God are yes and amen. 
What does that mean? If you can find it in the word of God, it's yes. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to go to 10 conferences. You don't have to go to 10 pastors. You don't go to go to three prophets and give them an offering. Is it in the word? Then it's yes and amen. That word amen means it shall be done. When You know why we end with amen? Because it means it shall be done. It's a declaration of what you prayed shall come to pass. And it's interesting because in the book of Revelation, also in the book of Corinthians, Paul introduces Jesus as the amen. What does that mean? He's the finisher. So when you say amen, you're literally declaring, and Jesus shall do it. Because he's the amen. He's the finisher of your faith. He's the author and the finisher. So if it's in the word of God, if it's a promise of God, it's yes. And Jesus saying, it shall be done. The moment you say amen, he steps in. All promises of God. You mean I can be healed? You can be healed today. The word gives us the power to cleanse ourselves. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, what promises? The word of God promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from what? Some filthiness? The ones you like? The ones you can't overcome? All filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The Bible says that these promises have given you the power to say no to all filthiness. Now, we all have filthiness, every one of us. And I don't care what you're struggling with. God says, through the promises, you can overcome all. You can say no. You can overcome it. No, Pastor, you don't know. My lust is too strong. Oh, yeah, you look like that elephant, but you don't see yourself. You're bigger than that. Pastor, you don't know how long I've been looking at this stuff. And I don't care how long you've been looking at it. You don't know how long I've been fornicating. I can't give up women. Let me tell you, you're bigger than that. Amen. Pastor, I can't give my alternative lifestyle. I'm just bound. All filthiness of the flesh. I don't care how long you've been struggling. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Through these promises, you can cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh. He either said it or he didn't. Let God be true and every man a liar. We need to sing, say, and pray God's word. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why? Because day and night, night and day, the devil's talking. So day and night, night and day, I need to be quoting the word of God. How do we do that? By worship. Worship is singing the word of God. Warfare is declaring the word of God. Intercession is praying the word of God. In fact, you know what? If you had to memorize scriptures, you have. Because if you've been listening to the songs, my wife picks songs, picks songs where you memorize scriptures. That song we sang earlier, three, um, um, three weeks ago, gave me faith to believe that we would still be standing here. And get, here I am. Amen? Here I am. By the grace of God. Some of you, I don't even understand what a miracle that we're still standing here. But you know why? Because his word is faithful. His promises are true. Remember God told Joshua, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord God, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. He's telling Joshua, I've already won the battle for you. And you need to remember that you're not going into battle for the battle is the Lord's. You're just taking dominion. You're just claiming what he's already given you. Deuteronomy eleven twenty four. every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even into the uttermost sea shall be your coast. God says, everywhere you walk, I give it to you. 
Are you following me? In other words, you have to possess it though. He said it, he declared, but you got to do it. You got to do the walking. You got to go in that land and take it. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by. The violent take it by being nice. That's not what it says. There's got to be a little bit of military in you. I'm going to have that promise. I'm going to get my healing. Cancer, you're going to die. Diabetes, you're going to die because I'm going to get my healing. Come on. Malachi 4.3. And ye shall tread down the wicked. You know what tread means? Tread is your feet. Notice God never says be nice. He says put their nose in the trash. Come on. It literally says that he, he tramped them under dust. I made them like dust under my feet. Look at this. And ye shall tread down the wicked for they shall be what? You think I'm exa- ashes. He went from dust to now ashes. That you can't recognize DNA and ashes. Come on. You burn someone's body, you keep, the DNA is gone. He says, I want you to demolish your enemies so bad that you can't even recognize them. Oh, Shantor, did you hear what I just said? God wants you to beat your enemies so bad. We're not talking about people. We're talking about habits, sickness, and, and wicked things in your life. He says, I want you to destroy them so bad that you don't even recognize anymore. Alcoholism, I don't recognize that. Drug addiction, I don't recognize it. I, 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 who are you? you know what's crazy you're gonna get really happy here the defeated one satan has bound his own masters here the bible calls us demon masters you find that in ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 and yet he's bound his masters the thing that is the slave is taking dominion over the master us And you know why? Write this down. I'm about to give you a very big key. Here's why. Like a dog. How many know that the Bible always compares dogs to demonic spirits? The Bible says dogs have incapacitated me and all that, right? Like a dog, they know when you're afraid. The reason why you haven't taken dominion is because of fear. Ecclesiastes 9, 4 says, For to him that is joined to all living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. What's it saying? Even though demons are like dogs, they're still dangerous if you haven't learned to deal with them, if you're afraid of them. How many of you have ever seen the smallest dog and people are afraid of them when they start, right? The littlest dog can scare. I've seen some big dudes and they'll be afraid of my little, come on, talk to me. I have these two little dogs and they're like afraid of them. Because, and they know when you're afraid. I'm about to make a point. Listen really closely. You're going to get a revelation here. How many of you have ever heard of the dog whisperer, Cesar Milan? Now, I want you to get the analogy here. Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, teaches families how to act appropriately with their dogs. Caesar believes that most Americans, you're not acting right. You're out of order, which is why we have so many problems with our dogs. Are you ready for this? Listen really closely because there's such an analogy. The problem is that many people treat their dogs like humans. He says the biggest problem with dogs is that we treat them like humans. They're not humans. They're dogs. Now, I know you love little Bow Wow. Come on, talk to me. I know you love Choo Choo, Pee Pee, whoever they are. But guess what? They still are. No, you, I swear he understands it. No, he, he, he wants you to feed him. He's nice to you and he stays there because you feed him. He'll lick you. Even the Bible says, the, the, in fact, the Bible calls worship the lick of a dog. Why? Because when, you, when a dog licks you, he expects a response. And the Bible calls that worship, lick. Because when we lick the hand of the master. Now, but, but check this out. It's a dog. 
It's a, and people dress up. They, they, I see people who buy better clothes for their dog than their children. The dog is dressed better. I've gone to places when you sit down the couch, the Dobermans come and they sit down just like, and they don't tell them to get up. I'm like, what is that? You got this dog looking. I don't want your dog, but it's not my house. Listen to this. Caesar says, follow that way. You're about to get a revelation here. The problem is that many people treat their dogs like humans. In order, this is what he teaches. In order to get the dog in order, he first teaches you got to get in order. In other words, I can't deal with the dog till I deal with you because you got an issue. You treat the dog like a human. Oh, did you just hear what I said? Come on, we're talking about principalities, demonic, whatever you're going through. All of you have these little pet demons you love to pet with and go around. Here, listen to this. Now, this is great. Often, the, in, order to get the, in order to get things back set in order, are you ready? Here's what he says. Take these notes. I will take notes because these, these are in spiritual warfare. You have to become the pack leader. You have to become the leader of the pack. Any two ways. This, this is, oh, it so goes so well in spiritual warfare. First, you have to be calm and assertive. Why? Because dogs can sense your timidity. Can sense you're afraid. And I'm going to take advantage of you. You're not the pack leader. I'm the pack leader. Right? So, you've got to become the pack leader. You've got to be calm and what? Assertive. Second, set boundaries. If you're going to be the pack leader, you have to set the boundaries. Now, here's what's interesting. Often, how many of you have ever seen the dog whisper? Here's what he does. I don't care what episode. I don't care who the dog is. That wild thing, they'll put him in. He'll, he'll walk in its cage. And that dog will jump towards him. And he'll do this. Watch this. Watch me closely. And that dog will look. What the heck is this? Every time, he'll go, and and people go, what the heck? You don't believe me. Let's watch it. Pay attention. Shonav was rescued from a Korean dog meat market. But since coming to America, he's been acting dangerously around other dogs. At my dog psychology center in Los Angeles, I can work with him off-leash in a safe place. And hopefully... Take the next step in his rehabilitation. Welcome, welcome. Let's go study him uh, inside the dog park. I want to see a little bit how he feels off leash. Okay. Sure, sure. All right. I'm going to have him meet two of my dogs and show Olga and Oscar the type of dog personalities they can target to help Shona socialize. I'm going to bring you a very submissive dog, Holly. She's the beige Labrador, and the other dog is Joe. I think Joe is like 13, 14 years old, so he's a senior, so he has yeah. a lot of wisdom. Watch the dog. Wow. Hey. Wow. So I'm not telling him not to engage with her. What I'm saying is that way of engagement for first day is way too much. At my live event in downtown San Diego, I have my hands full with Romy, who's attacking everybody. So he's nervous. Oh, no. <laughs> this is not nervous. Grab him, pass it to me. Pass him to you? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
green arms right here, right there. My baby, no problem. That's perfectly good reason why my dad who he is, because it had no intentions of touching that dog. With her, by her feeling so emotional, it makes him feel protective. Listen to that. What I'm doing is just, I'm just staying calm. Come here. Yeah. Here, look, right there. How you doing? Oh, right? Good boy, so, the problem here is not the dog. It's just the energy who's holding that tells him I need to protect because my human is tense or is nervous or is anxious. What do you do for a living? Executive assistant. Executive assistant. Can you take like the executive position here? Here, yes. Yes, yeah. See, executive assistant means you're following, but if you're an executive, that means you're leading. I'm so, the CEO. There you go. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the Bible compares demonic powers to dogs? And in Job 27, 23, listen to what this says. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss out of his, hiss him out of his place. <laughs> That's in the Bible. And Caesar, whenever he meets dog, the first thing he does, remember, he's assertive, I told you, and then he sets a boundary. And here the Bible says when you're dealing with the enemy, you're supposed to clap your hand in strong opposition and hiss. You know what the problem? This is what the church is not doing. We're allowing the devil to come and wreak havoc on our relationships, on our finances, on our bodies. And some of you need to go and go no further. Some of you coming against your family, coming against. No, don't you go any further. Stand up, every one of you. I want you to practice that. Come on. What? Right now, I want you to think about what's hindering you. How has the enemy come and there's no boundaries? I want you to look at that and say, come on, do it. That's what the Bible says. Do you feel that anointing? Somebody's like, no, I feel goofy. Well, that's because you're, you're not used to spiritual things. That's why you're losing the battle. People who are spiritual do some things that might sound goofy, but it's powerful. And you know what's crazy? It works in the natural realm with the dogs. And the Bible compares dogs to demons. And when you look at a dog, come on, one more time, one more time, come. Have a seat in the presence of God. You know what the point of that is taking dominion, looking at that devil and say, no more. Do not cross this boundary. Do not come into my house. Do not touch my children. Do not touch my family. You will not. But you have to believe what the word of God says about you. Here's the key. Write this down. Key. The devil sees you how you see yourself. (sighs) The key is the devil sees you how you see yourself. Numbers 13.33. And when there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, who were about 30 feet tall, which come of the giants. Look at, And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Did you hear that? The children of Israel said, we were in the sight of the giants like grasshoppers because that's how we were with our own sight. The demons will see you how you see yourself. That little dog barked until he saw someone who saw himself greater than that little dog. 
Demons will bark. They will come until you realize, oh, I'm no grasshopper in the spirit realm. I may be 5'2 in the natural. No, I'm 5'11, but just in case you are 5'2. But that has nothing to do with it. Did you hear what I just said? That I'm giving I'm, let me, I'm telling you something. Many of you lose battles because you walk in fear. You're not taking dominion. In fact, your dogs are worse than those dogs because you're in the natural the same way you're in the spiritual realm. The dog is the leader. The dog walks you. Come on, talk to me. You've seen that. Benny Hinn said this. I wrote this down years ago. The devil's success is dependent on your stupidity. Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. So my people are destroyed because of what? And part of it is understand that the Lord is your, the word is your weapon, but it's, that's not enough. Not only do you have to know the word, not only do you have to know the will of God for your life, but you got to know that you're big in the kingdom of God. You got to see yourself at another dimension. You got to see yourself bigger than any demonic opposition. We need to get to know the word from Genesis to Revelation. Don't be afraid to explore the depths of God's word. Romans eleven thirty five. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. I got to close. Wow. One of the keys to being delivered is saying it. Psalm 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say what? Yeah. I want to show you one last thing. I have to pick out of two pages what I'm going to close with. Let's close with this. Only the bold will know no harm. Proverbs 21.8 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Did you know that cowards are unrighteous, the Bible tells us? If you're a coward, you're afraid, you're unrighteous. How do we know that? Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and the unbelieving, it compares them to the abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, shall have, no, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Did you know that if you're unbelieving and fearful, you're in the category of the unrighteous? Because you should know better. You should know the word. Of, you shouldn't be at 36 still turning on the light. Come on, when you go to bed. The fear are placed in the same category as the unbelieving. The fear for condemned with the sinner. Because Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, be strong and of good courage. Fear not. Why do we fear not? Because you're an overcomer. You're that elephant stuck on a rope, but pull that chain out. You know, um, I'm going to close. I'm turning this off so you know it. Dr. Summerall wrote books on casting out the devil. And at the height of his ministry, he got a visit from the devil. And the devil was real dramatic. True story. He goes into his room where he's at. He's sleeping in bed. And the devil pushes his bed across the room. And, you know, I mean, that would scare most people. I mean, a spiritual force comes and throws your... He got so mad, he rebuked the devil. He says, I command you in the name of Jesus to leave. And guess what happened? What do you think happened? Immediately left. But then he got more madder because his bed was on the opposite side of the house. He said, before you leave, put my bed back. And that devil came and put his bed back. Now go. You moved it, move it back. Now that's bold. Put my bed back. That's him right there.
You need to buy some of his books, brother, if, you, if you're a little timid. Martin Luther, not the king. Martin Luther, the, the guy who did the 95 Thesis, who brought the Protestant Reformation. I have to say that because a lot of people automatically think of 1960s. But Martin Luther, of the Lutheran faith, if it wasn't for him, the Bible wouldn't have been translated in the vernacular in German. He was the one who translated the Bible. And the story said, now remember, this had never been done. It was illegal. You could be killed for translating the Bible in your language. You see a picture of him doing it. And they still have the room where the devil came to him. He says the devil came to him, tried to scare him and to stop translating. He got the ink and he threw it at him. He says, and he, get out of here. And in fact, you can still go to the room in Germany where you still, still see the ink spots of where he threw it at the devil when he was translating the Bible. What's my point in telling that story? What are you afraid of? The thing that keeps you from overcoming all is you're afraid of the devil. And I'm going to tell you a story I never told. I told it to this morning. It was the first time. When I got saved, and I'm, and I'm done. When I got saved, I got saved through, I, let me, I, I, without telling you a long story, I encountered the devil. I didn't get saved in a church, and there was an offering, and I had the devil come. And it was evil. If you want to hear the story, you know, we'll, we'll tell it one day. It wasn't cool. But it scared the hell out of me. I mean, literally, I say that word because I haven't backslid since. Well, crazy thing. And I, I think, you know, I've never shared this. This is crazy. All of a sudden, I get calls with voices. I pick up the phone. It was super, and they'd be, and just, it was craziness. I'd get called. Little demons would literally, because points of contact, they would use the phone. They couldn't talk. They didn't want to just talk my mind. They literally wanted me to hear it. So they would call on the phone. I'd answer, and they'd start talking to me. Demons. I've never taken drugs, never done any of that, never drank. And, and maybe I'm saying this because some of you need to hear this. That there is a real war out there. And here's what made it worse. And you guys would probably think I was crazy, but you experienced it three weeks ago. I would go early to church because I was now involved and I was a worship leader. I was 19 years old. And I go early to pray. And man, I, every time I go, I almost hated it. I knew I had to go because I needed to go. But every time I go, guess what would happen? Fans would start turning off and on. Lights would go off and on. And, and it shouldn't be happening. And it was, a, it was demonic entities trying to scare me from prayer because it worked. It scared the crap out of me. And you know it's real because remember three weeks ago when I started talking about demonic power, light, remember all that? So you know I don't make that up, that signs and things like that. But it doesn't scare me anymore at all. But you know what happened? It would scare me and I would stop praying. And one day, the, you know, I had all the fans. I was in the middle of summer praying. And suddenly it started happening. And I got so mad. Finally I said, devil, get out of here. And you know what happened? It went. But here's what, what, what gave me the boldness. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Joseph, what are you afraid of? Well, don't you see those fans blowing? And so why do fans scare you? I go, but the lights keep coming on. Why are you afraid of lights? Because it's scary. He says, but why? And then he said this. The Holy Spirit spoke this. If the devil could take you out, he would have took you out. All he can do is throw fans and lights. And You're right, Jesus. What am I afraid of? Saints, what are you afraid of? If he could take you out, he would have a long time ago. He can just do a light show and a few things here and there. Come on, talk to me. But greater is he that's in you. And the Bible says, they that are gods are, are as bold as lions. Bold as lions. Fear not. The word of God is your weapon. What has been tying you up? That you say, I can't overcome. It's just too big, too big. God can overcome it. 
Can I have my altar workers? I'm going to close with a prayer of dismissal so that everyone can go. But after preaching a message like this, if you are bound by something, you might be that elephant up there who can do it, but you don't know it. Through our prayers, we're helping you break that thing so that you know you can break it. Does that make sense? I don't want to make a big to-do about this, even those who are watching us. I know you're watching us all over online. You can stretch your hands towards us, and I'm going to pray for you in a minute. You that are in here, if you're bound by anything, and it doesn't mean something great, great evil, but it, it's something that bothers you. I want you to come up right now. We're believing. There's an there's a anointing in this house right now to break that which is holding you back. I don't care what's holding you back. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. There's no shame in here. No shame in here. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're going through. Amen. I love this. We don't have to impress nobody. Come on up. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer dismissal. But first, those are watching us and those that are in here, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, you need to have Christ come into your life because it's only through him is there salvation. Only through him can you have everlasting life. And he who rejects the son rejects the father and rejects everlasting life. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, those in here and those who are watching me, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Father, come on, let's all say it loud. Father, I believe that Jesus, your son. Ooh, did you feel that power when you said that name? Come on, your Jesus, your son, died on the cross for my sins, for the good, for the bad, for the ugly. I totally surrender to you. Jesus, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name on the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe you are alive forevermore. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. If you said that prayer for the first time, I want you to come and talk to one of us so we can pray with you. Those online, email me. We want to get you baptized. We want to get you um, filled with the Holy Ghost. We want to give you a Bible. So let's just pray a prayer dismissal right now. But if you want to come talk to us, please come on up here. Father, we just thank you for every person in this place. We love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our strength. And we thank you. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Unless you would like to come up and we'll pray for you. If you would like to hear more stern messages like this, I would like to know more about Radiant Life Church. Please visit us online at RadiantLifeAZ.com or download our free Radiant Life Church Arizona phone app at your Android or iPhone store. With it, you can connect with us, submit prayer requests, watch past church services or live streaming services, download sermons, check church bulletin for important events, register for events, access our online multimedia store, give financially, and much, much more. I would also like to take the time to encourage you to take your first step in embarking on your spiritual journey with us by taking our new members class called Radiant 101. You can do this by tapping the form tab on our Radiant Life Church phone app, select new members class, and fill out the form. Or register online at our church website at radiantlifeaz.com. Under the connection column, select new members class and fill out the form there. In response, we will contact you soon thereafter with all the information you need 
for a positive experience. Again, thank you for visiting us, and I look forward to meeting you in person. God bless. Thank you.